irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Turkey's up close and personal? The U.S. Senate fixes a loophole in animal law. Get to know the snake in the grass. These are just a few of the topics we will be covering today. Hello, I'm William Mayoff. And I am Nancy DeFabio, and welcome to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science, to animals in entertainment, to animals in religion, to animals in agriculture. Animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society. So this show is about increasing our knowledge and understanding of the animal world, and from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. Our guest today is Brandon Rochelle. He has a Facebook page all about snakes, and I'm really excited about having him on the show today. He's going to hop on at about 2.30, and we're going to talk about snakes. That's really this is cool. That's intriguing good, and yeah. exciting. It's normally, um, it's like ugh, squeamish stuff. Who wants to talk no, about this that kind is, of thing? Uh, this is, I look forward to it. So uh, before we get started, how do we know the Earth is a globe? If it was flat, cats would have pushed everything off the edge by now. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Anybody who has cats know this is true. Uh, this Absolutely. joke came from Karen L. She's from Appleton, Wisconsin, and thank you very, very much. Yes, thank you for me too. Um, so, uh, what's in the news today? It's uh, we're getting close to Thanksgiving, so uh, we're going to talk about turkeys. Yes, to our global listeners, U.S. Thanksgiving cometh the twenty eighth of, uh, of November next Thursday. So, how much do you know about your Thanksgiving turkey? And uh, well. If you buy your turkey from a typical grocery store, you might not realize that the approximately 46 million turkeys consumed every year come from a factory farm. Let's take a look at the life of a turkey from a factory farm. We tofurkey, we don't have to worry about that. Right. So, well, anyway. uh, turkeys on factory farms are hatched in incubators, mostly on large farms in the Midwest or South. A few days after hatching, turkeys have their upper beaks Snipped off, once the beak is removed, the turkey can no longer pick and choose what he wants to eat. In their natural environment, turkeys are omnivores. But at factory farms, turkeys are fed a steady diet of corn-based grain feed laced with antibiotics. Industrially produced turkeys spend their first three weeks of life crammed into a brooder. That's a heated area of enclosure for raising young fowl with hundreds of other birds. In the fourth week, turkey chicks are moved from the brooder to a giant windowless room with 10,000 other turkeys where bright lights shine 24 hours a day. With the lights constantly on, the turkeys, for the most part, are kept awake and eating non-stop. As a result of this unsanitary and crowded Living conditions, farmers feed the turkeys a constant supply of antibiotics, as I said. These antibiotics are known to promote weight gain in farm animals. In an effort to maximize the more profitable white breast meat, farmers have genetically selected and bred the white-browed-breasted turkey, which uh, becomes so top-heavy that they can no longer stand or reproduce, and as a result... All industrial turkeys are created by artificial insemination. Wow, and they can't even stand up. Turkeys are then brought to slaughter. And that's it. And that's a great way. So when you're thanking, you can be thankful for these uh, disgusting, ruthless Dr. Mengele tactics. And you yeah. know, this is really gross. But disgusting. let me tell you a little bit about uh, turkeys, their personalities, and all that. Yeah. Um, they're. Um, they have they have moods actually they get moody turkeys are sensitive to um, they're sensitive animals and they have good and bad moods so you can tell what mood the male is in by the color of his throat and his head so when a male is excited his head turns blue and when a, 
and when he's about to get into a fight, his head turns red. Uh, they're wow. highly social wow, animals. Wow, wow, they're wow. affectionate. They love to play. If you toss an apple to a group of turkeys, they will play with it like a football. They create long-lasting social bonds uh, with See, each so other. These are living, active organisms here. Okay, they, they have senses. You know, we never. I don't. People wow. don't usually go beyond. You know, the thing is, whether you're, you know, an omnivore, a herbivore, a carnivore, it doesn't matter. It's really important to pay attention to what's on your plate. You know, like if you have to eat meat, maybe you want to select organic meat or grass-fed meat or just pay and attention. The producers, the veggie be producers alert, have be come aware. along. No, no. Um, they the love savagery. To this is a word that comes to mind that we just discovered. That savagery to go and cut their beaks off. Oh, yeah. And, and keep, it's, keep uh, them eating constantly and, and uh, yeah. they can't stand up and antibiotics. Plus, if you care about your, your own system, your own health, considering right. the antibiotics through the turkey, what are you... So this is all a sham when the president pardons the turkey, right? That's well, he pardons nice. one turkey, but there are millions of them. Pardon so. more turkeys. And also um, another Disgusting. thing that I don't I don't want to spend too much time on because we have lots of stuff to talk about. But um, uh, I think uh, well anyway, they, they love to be stroked, they love to be petted, uh, petted, cuddled. Um, Never knew that. They will That's remember amazing. your face, and if they like you, they will come up and greet you. Uh, so there's uh, you know. The, the, Wow. The, actually, the turkey is also believed to have been sacred in ancient Mexican cultures. Um, they were considered jeweled birds by the Mayans, Aztecs, and Toltecs. So in 1776, this is what I wanted to remember, in 1776, after the bald eagle was chosen to be the national bird of the United States, Benjamin Franklin he expressed his disapproval in a letter to his daughter. He said the turkey was a much more respectable bird than the bald eagle, who was a scavenger. Like I still love the bald eagle. I think it's a beautiful so bird. It's a gracious bird. Wow. But he did say that the turkey was a respectable bird. So that's so. What happened in, in the, the you know in the three hundred fifty years that that we've been around? How did the turkey become well? One, one's capable disrespected. Of, well, one's <laughs> capable of flight, right? And one isn't, and one feeds more people. Yeah, but the bald yeah, eagle is a beautiful bird, but it's an interesting remark that he made. That is, uh, This is amazing knowledge and information, Nancy. You're a reservoir. It's like beautiful, I, I'm beautiful. an amazing person. What yes. can I say? No, but now I'm, yeah, I don't eat meat anyways, and I don't eat turkeys. But for all of the zillions of people who eat turkeys, just please remark on their, the savagery and remark what Ben Franklin said. Right. Right? No one's questioning his patriotism no, and all that. But there's another thing, and we don't really know that. We don't think of that because birds get so, these turkeys get so fat they can hardly walk that we just think, well, they can't fly. But actually, they turkeys may not be able to fly, these industrial-produced birds, but uh, do their commercial breeding and all that. Uh, you know, they get extra-large breasts. But wild turkeys can actually fly. They can fly at speeds of up to 55 miles per hour. Wow. I am, For short you know, distances, I even enjoy, Dale is impressed. Dale, I enjoy coming to the show because I walk out of here glowing with knowledge. Nancy, <laughs> They're fast this, runners. It's okay? amazing. And turkeys. They, they turkeys? Can, which kind of turkey fly to 55 miles an hour? The wild turkeys. The wild turkeys? Yeah. Where are they, they found? They race pigeons. They go 60. So what kind of pigeons? Race, race pigeons. Grace pigeons. Race. Oh, race, race pigeons. What race? Uh, what race? race the oh, racing race pigeons. pigeons. Racing okay. pigeons. Yeah, they go 60 miles an hour. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah and these guys can run up to 25 miles an hour, I think. Turkeys can run up to 25 and, and miles an And they're located where in the south? Where, where, where are these? Midwest and the south. Okay. But I think you can find wild turkeys everywhere. Um, We're just, you know, there should be some humanity with this. You, you know, humane treatment of them. And, and, and if, of course, they've come so far in the vegetarian manufacturing uh, produce, production business, they can produce uh, facsimiles and you could eat it and enjoy yeah. it. But and you can be thankful, and your kids don't absolutely. have to feel guilty, and you don't have to eat antibiotics. If, if you don't care but, about the bird, what about your health? But, you know, it, I, I'm not too sure about how it became, uh, the, the turkey became a symbol for Thanksgiving. But the pilgrims. Yeah, but I don't think the they had pilgrims. factory farms at the time. I don't think they had, they had like, turkeys on... on uh, this is another full Lined up and debeaked, like, 100 per minute or well, something. Well, we have they a lot of that. smarty pants listeners, and they do uh, contribute to our uh, fund of knowledge, as they do the humorous joke that you told earlier. And uh, if you guys uh, want to assist us in uh, securing some information as to why the turkeys associated with Thanksgiving, the pilgrims, 
co- contact us at Nancy, the numbers, the website, and the phone number? Nancy at animallawlawyer.com. Or we have a few minutes to call us at 323, uh, two, I forgot my own number, 323 What's that? What's that webpage again, sir? It's too Nancy quickly. at animallawlawyer.com. And also send me your jokes, as uh, Karen did from uh, Wisconsin. And the winner, the best joke, uh, by the end of the year, we're going to collect the, all the jokes, and the best joke gets a fun T-shirt. Actually, we're going to have first, second, and third. We're going to have three winners, and they're going to get a fun T-shirt from us. And they are cute, and yeah, especially they, what's on them. Um, so, yeah, so even if you want to eat a turkey for Thanksgiving, can you just make sure that it had got to see daylight and it got to sleep at night and so what should they be looking to sleep. for torture free what does it say on the label like cage free eggs roaming contentedly and all um, this so have I'm sure of- there is one brand. Butterball says that they have a brand like that but I don't believe Butterball for it I just don't believe Butterball but, so. but for those of them who can't resist and they need to eat that turkey they need that flesh. They need that, that, that poultry. Yeah, just go for turkey because turkeys need to sleep. But, uh, they need at least... Why don't uh, you assist the listener in what they can do if they can't resist? They need to insist on getting the, the real poultry. Do we right. have any companies that might be the least offensive? I don't know. I mean, I don't look into that stuff because I have the tofurkey. By the way, the tofurkey is great. Actually, it's very filling. It's very high in protein. Give them a plug. Who and, who, you, who and, and what? You, if you... Slice that up with gravy and with stuffing. Delicious. It's just delicious. Delicious. You can you barbecue it? I don't think you can barbecue it. Why no. not? Well, you can put it in the oven like you would a turkey or a uh, chicken, but no, because it actually has that shape. So, that, do you have any recommendations? No, about, I don't. Any, I mean, any I, tofurkey I, products? What well, about for tofurkey? It's yeah. tofurkey. What about rotisserie? Can you like stick it like in a? You could do that, but I don't think it. It works. I'm not sure, but I, it's tofurkey. Uh, I don't know. It's in it a light box. Li- is it light life? No, uh, it's tofurkey brand, and it's in a box, and um, Whole Foods will have it. Ralph's will probably, um, you know, there's a shift right Depending now. Depending on where you are, you know, you can get it uh, even in Canada, Loblaws and all that. Yeah, so you can get just, it at Whole Foods. You can get it at Loblaws. Yeah, just Google it. So, oh, we know Amazon probably sells it. Ama- yeah, but it's... But you if you're going to Amazon, remember, cold. folks, smile.amazon.com, smile.amazon.com. You can help the Givens, beautiful gorillas, with all the wildfires we've had in L.A., the pandas now are in trouble. Not the pandas. Okay, that brings us to us very spontaneous. You can see, folks, this show is unscripted, okay? Uh, very sadly, disgustingly, horribly, uh, our, our good friends uh, down under in Australia have had terrible wildfires. They're sharing things with us in California here with the brush fires. Anyway, it's been devastating to the koalas, uh, these, these beautiful marsupials, gorgeous, adorable little teddy bears. Um, it's making the news rounds that they might be functionally functionally extinct because 80% folks, this is so sad if you can help in any way, shape or form go, use your computers, email whatever, contributions, whatever you can to help our Aussie friends down under 80% of their eucalyptus trees their natural habitat has been destroyed by the wildfires it's sick, it's sad, it's terrible and yeah, I mean there's video there's news clips where you see this Woman half dressed, she runs out. There's a poor koala on fire, and she, she you know, she douses That's it. Tragic. She she takes like a you know one a terry cloth towel, bath towel, and smothers uh, the fi- the fire on the poor baby. little bear. Where'd you hear this? Oh, I've seen this. that on the. I think BBC World really? News, World Service, BBC World Service. I think so on the huh. news. But it's so sad. Go to YouTube News or Google News, or whatever. You'll see the videos. See if you can help the Australian government any way, shape, or form. Help the koalas, man. That's the most adorable animal yeah. on the planet. And and and, that, and they're afraid they're all going to starve that because eighty percent of their eucalyptus forest is burnt down. Yeah. It's really badly messed up. Anyway, so it's hard to transition that Nancy because now you've made me very depressed here. Well, but, actually, this is good news. What you're going to be reading next? What was so that joke again at the beginning of the show? <laughs> Anybody who has cats? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the world's not flat. Well, I love because it. cats would have thrown everything yeah. over the edge yes. by now. <laughs> Just so you know, again, we're an unscripted, spontaneous show. When the jokes are really good and they're usually very good from Nancy, I spend the next few weeks after the radio show telling everybody on the planet, repeating the jokes to people. And and uh, mix for levity and uh, good of cheer. course good cheer. Okay, the U.S. Senate has approved a bill to make severe animal cruelty and torture a federal crime. With the House having passed an identical version of the bill last month, the measure now goes to President Trump. 
who is expected to sign it into law. Wow. Uh, that's cool. The Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act, as it's called, otherwise known as the PACT Act, is meant to correct a lingering oversight. When Congress approved the Animal Crush Video Prohibition Act in 2010, it made it illegal to create, sell, or distribu distribute an animal crushing, quote-unquote, video. But that law applied only to recordings of cruelty, leaving the actions themselves legal under federal law. The newly passed bill would change that. The 2010 law was a response to a troubling trend in which perverse videos were posted online showing animals being tortured and killed. That's sick. Mm -hmm. The new legislation would ban animal crushing, which it defines as, quote, conduct in which one or more living non-human mammals, birds, reptiles, or amphibians is purposely crushed, burned, drowned, suffocated, impaled, or otherwise subjected to serious bodily injury, end of quote. Sick people among us, sick people. Those convicted would face federal felony charges, fines, and up to seven years in prison. And may the, uh, may the government and prosecutors and the authorities get a hold of these people and throw them off the flat plan. But Justice you know that, you know that um, federal courts are more strict than state courts. Well, so may the you power know that. to them. So we, animals are not impaled, tortured, burnt, right. crushed, and all the rest. So of even it. though there are state laws, you know, um, I the, think the if, you, if, if they're prosecuted at the federal level, they're gonna it's gonna have more of an impact as I opposed to it. getting a slap on the hand or a five hundred dollar penalty or six days in jail. So the because there are state laws out there, but I mean the, what the law is worth as much as you know its use. You know if they right. don't. If it's not enforced and implemented, yeah. So, it's but I think so. So, so let's hope. I, there's Trump will sign it, and uh, let's keep an eye on it to see um, what kind of prosecutions uh, are up. Let's ahead. hope we'll we'll continue. We'll keep you posted, right? In our continuing efforts here, yeah, of bringing everything to the fore. Airbnb Inc. is an online marketplace for arranging lodging. Uh, primarily homestays or tourism experiences. The company does not own any real estate listings, bless you, nor does it host events. It acts as a broker, receiving fees from each booking. In the three years since Airbnb introduces tourism experience bookings, it found some of its most popular involved animals. So the company recently introduced an Airbnb animal experiences uh, program. The new animal division will have an ethical focus. The announcement comes at the time, though at a time of increased public scrutiny of organizations offering animal and wildlife experiences in tourist destinations. There is growing concern worldwide over zoos, wildlife parks, and other animal refuges, particularly in developing nations, which in many cases attract travelers to situations in which the animals are abused. The company worked with World Animal Protection, a nonprofit organization devoted to animal welfare, to create a policy for the ethical treatment of animals. Animal owners, known as hosts, must comply with the policy to be included on the platform. Airbnb's policy bans direct contact with wild animals, such as petting, feeding, or riding them, with some exceptions for nonprofits conducting conservation research. Domesticated and farmed animals such as horses and camels may carry no more than one rider and no more than 20% of their body weight. So remember that, all those, all you guys with camels out there want to give people rides around. It's got to be somewhere in the Middle East. The rules prohibit... My camel's registered. I, yeah, your camel's <laughs> registered. Your camel's I, <laughs> maybe a pack of I, I cigarettes. I pay every year yeah, for, registration. for the registration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and insurance, too. I, I'm guessing that it's a little bit hard on the animal if you're putting a few Absolutely. people on, on the... Yeah. All right, the rules prohibit elephant interactions, including riding, bathing, or feeding, as well as any experiences involving captive marine mammals. Animal experiences start at $10 and run $500 or more for more extensive safaris. The average price is around $50. So I think that's pretty cool because to have um, a travel leader such as Airbnb commit to making animal welfare a top priority will only help educate travelers. They learn on vacation um, 
of the importance of having a cruelty-free uh, tourism, but and also you can teach your kids, illustrate to them. Actually, it's educational, and also the uh, the experience wildlife and their natural habitats while traveling. And this, um, you know, there, there there's a lot of uh, news on. Uh, for example, there was uh, there was a Buddhist temple in Thailand that was busted um, three years ago. It was called. It was supposed. They called themselves a Buddhist temple. Uh, but uh, I don't know how Buddhist it was. And they busted it three years ago, and uh, only 61 of the 147 tigers they had, it was a, a tourist hot spot. Um, they, those, uh, only 61 of the 147 tigers uh, were saved. What were um, they doing to the tigers? It was called Tiger Temple. Were they abusing them? What were they doing? Oh, they, they were severely, uh, badly maintained and abused uh, and um, reproduced at alarming rates. Uh, yeah. Many of the felines, which were already weakened by the stress of relocation, they died of a virus. Uh, they had this, genetic problems. Um, this is timeline, right? The main cause of the deaths were paralysis, so. uh, respiratory conditions. Uh, they had distemper. Uh, many, of the t- so they died. A lot of the, they, so they, a lot of them died. Um, they found uh, tiger parts during the raid. Um, it was pretty much like a, a zoo, a tiger zoo. Uh, in Thailand, and it was called, like I said before, um, Tiger but Temple. They shouldn't be finding so they're, parts they're, of you know, tigers. They have, like, they have many version, elephant versions of that, uh, tiger versions of that, you know, monkey versions of that, and, and, and I, this whole Airbnb thing, and there are others also out there, is a way, if you, like I say this all the time, it's nice to have laws and to hope that the government enforces the laws, but... It, if you can take matters in your own hands, like, okay, I want to go on a vacation, I want to go on a safari, I want to go and watch wildlife. If you go with Airbnb wildlife experience, you'll know that you're, you're helping, the, you're not contributing to animal abuse, to torture, uh, to savagery, to brutality. Uh, it's an approved organization. Breeding, yeah, it's an approved illegal organization. trafficking yeah. of endangered animals. Uh, Beautiful. So... That's a good thing. If you're going to take a vacation, do it that way. Uh, if you care about elephants, if you care about wildlife, if you care about the environment. So Airbnb. And if you want to teach a good thing to your children, you know. So Airbnb cares about animals. Absolutely. Well, Airbnb maybe we can get a representative of, of Airbnb on our future show. Sure. Why don't you put tell the programmer the uh, producer? Yeah. Hey, Mr. Dale. Why not? Yeah. So Dale, ahead. get right on it. Get right on it, please. <laughs> So what else do we got going on here? Hold on. I took his... I, uh, William, I took your papers. Here. Well, there's no <laughs> papers. This is all I'd live. What do you think? Uh, I got so excited over... So, yeah, you know, I'm happy for... Cruelty-free I'm so, tourism where you don't have to, you know, go visit elephants that are abused. Oh, they, 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 they sweeten it up. They clean it all up. and They make it look all nice. They really know how to hide the truth, these bad people. So let's take them out of but business, part all of these bad people. It. I'm glad you're doing this. This is a great show to do that. And then what becomes, you know, a once-in-a-while correction or attempted correction of these, you know, behaviors towards animals will become the norm. Right. I've never gotten so many stories on my... It takes time. Oh, there's a shift. There's a shift. Yeah, like Jill said, it's time. But there is a there is a shift. I mean, there's a lot of bad news yeah. out there, but there's also a lot of good news. And right here on the okay. show, we try to balance it. You know, we have to be realistic. So there are a lot of bad things going on in the animal world, but there are a lot of good things. So um, Now, if you want to soften your, your show, this is all part of the spontaneity of the show. Christmas is coming up, New Year's, right. Hanukkah, all those good, beautiful, warm, cuzzy, 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 fluffy, beautiful... Touching, feely, beautiful, best wishes to everybody. Please Google Cher Ami. Oh, yes. The beautiful pigeon story. You will feel light and fluffy and Christmassy and good cheer. Your It'll make kids. you cry. It'll make you cry. You want to hug your animals and hug your wife and hug your kids. And maybe what if your, your wife is a pigeon? Even your boss. You'll want to <laughs> kiss the pigeon. Okay? You know. Cher Ami. How do you spell Cher Ami? What the hell are they talking about? The C H E R. C H E R M E separate word A M I E. Thank you. No, it didn't. It actually, they ended up finding out that it was a girl, but they thought it was a boy. So, so C H A M I don't have the E. It's only it's a E if it's a, a girl. So all our Canadian friends listening right so, now. So, by the way, we have, we have quite a few Canadian C- listeners. H-A-M. They were already, they already corrected you, especially those from Quebec. So they already Cher-A-M-I. corrected you. So okay, Cher-A-M-I. on to the next story. C H E R A M I. 
Okay, with no yitin because it's masculine. Right. Just look it up and your, your Google search will change the sentence for you. Uh, uh, in other news, U.S. Air Force officials at Lackland Air Force Base, the San Antonio base, are asking the public to consider adopting retired military working dog. While 90% of canine veterans end up with their handlers, the remaining dogs end up available for adoption. The trainee puppies who don't make the cut for active duty are readily adopted, but the older canines have more difficulty finding a home. Most retired military working dogs available for adoption are between the ages of 10 and 12. Common breeds include German Shepherds, oh what a dog, Labrador Retrievers, more beautiful dogs, and Belgian Malinois. Yeah, those are good dogs. Malinois. Yeah. M-A-L-I-N is a Norman O-I-S. All loyal, energetic, and intelligent. The dogs undergo a behavioral test and an adoption test to make sure they're not going to be aggressive in their new environment. Lackland Air Force Base conducts a wide variety of tests before they decide that the dogs are good to be adopted by general, by the general population. Of the dogs at Lackland, 75% are approved for adoption. Lackland, where all military pups receive their training, handles all their own adoptions, as well as the Transportation Security Administration. So you want them to go to the Lackland uh, page, uh, the webpage? Is that it's what you uh, want it's down below somewhere. Down below. There are also organizations like Mission Canine Rescue, which help facilitate adoption of contract military working dogs who cannot be returned with their handlers. Remember, I've seen lots of news stories on this. Police dogs, canine units, military dogs, usually the handler, the soldier yeah. that's associated with they love, love yeah. these dogs, and they take them with them. Yeah. Uh, period. So, you know, sometimes things happen, and they can't take them with them. Um, Anyways, there are a few requirements that have to be met before you can get your paws on a retired military working dog. One, the family has to be interviewed by the military. This is cool. This is like secret. This is secret military stuff, man. They don't want to have the dog spy on people. Or maybe you know, you, you know, when you debrief a dog, it could be it could have been exposed to. Like I've watched a lot of these military shows and spy shows. Maybe the dog has all kinds of secret information and they could be bad people who want to adopt these dogs and want to right, debrief like right, Fang, Fang right. on Get Smart Show like Fang in the 60s. Fang knew military secrets. So we hope that, you know, the dogs right. would give up the But they'd have to know dog language, you know, know woof, 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 things like exactly. that. Exactly. Like on Jusperier, you had the doggy behind the hot dog stand. <laughs> right. So we are so full of, chock full of nuts here, Okay. And we'll explain those references as we go on. But anyway, the family has to be interviewed by the military to ensure it will provide for the dog and answer questions about other pets in the home. The prospective adopters must provide two references. The home must be enclosed. This is item number three. The home must be enclosed by a six-foot fence. Number four, a family usually cannot have children under age five. Most of the dogs aren't good fits for families with kids under age five. Number five, a family must be willing to travel to San Antonio, Texas to pick up the doggy. <laughs> and number six, the civilian law enforcement agencies are given top priority to adopt these skilled dogs. This is the exclusive elite doggies that are right. up for grabs. Wow, that local law enforcement, this is a cool police show. Well, it's not this just is local. Adam Quill, I mean, man. you got the Department of Defense, this Pentagon is, Police, U.S. Treasury Police, the U.S. You know, Office wow. of the Inspector General. This is all civilian police. This is not sloppy seconds. These are prize doggies. Yeah, man. exactly. Civilian law enforcement agents are given priority, as I said. Previous handlers come next in line, followed by the general public. Lackland only places about six dogs a month. Altogether, the process can take up to two years. This, Nancy, you are on top. You're cutting edge of novel adoption I'm programs. Amazing. You are freaking amazing. <laughs> because when I when I hear other people, and, and Powerton, they want to get doggies adopted, yeah. puss gets adopted, you, in your exclusivity, okay, in your own parochial little knowledge here, have military doggies. What about the Chernobyl ahead. dogs Wait, we talked about a few months military, ago? Military, okay, but Chernobyl dogs, that's true. But but military doggies, nobody would even think now they they have this the GI Joe doggies. That's right. So there's got to be They're intelligent a dogs. Oh my they're God. you probably could play chess and all those intellectual uh, they're, things. I'm smarter than a lot of people I know. You know I gotta I, I I gotta go take uh, deep breaths because this show's gonna be all excited <laughs> with all the novelty here. 
yogic breaths. Lachlan only places six dogs a month. Uh, altogether, the process can take up to two years. So you better start dialing and, and going to the webpage here. Yeah, you, Folks, we're going to be talking. Because we are a spontaneous show and we, we ad-lib everything, we have a call coming in from the yeah, snake Yeah, so why don't you let them know... Uh, how, who to call? Well, okay, we're wrapping this part up. Civilian law enforcement agents, we said they're interested parties in adopting retired military dogs. You folks out there, contact the officers at MWD, that's Mary William David, dot adoptions at USAF, that's Alan Fitzgerald, dot mill, that's M Mary I, Ellis and Linda. Again, mwd.adoptions at us.af.mil or call 210-671-6766 that's 210-671-6766 visit Lackland Air Force Base's website for more info please spread the word and help increase the chances of adoptions for our loyal canine veterans and you're, you're rewarding the dogs too. That's a beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Service. All right, Nancy. You home. Credit to you for bringing that to the fore. Okay, in this busy let's world. call our friend. Please. Dale is uh, dialing right now. A pause, a silent pause. Well, again, this is a spontaneous show. This is yes, not plastic. It's a live show. It's not rehearsed. It's a live show. Right. And we have our expert tech guy, Dale. Yeah. Uh, he is now hooking up the satellites to uh, right. secure our caller. And what part of the globe is our caller Brandon uh, uh, from? Actually, I don't no. know. I know he's not uh, in a specific standard time. Well, then that, that adds to the element of suspense of the show and the spontaneity. Um, it is a live show. Yeah, and we're going to be So there could be bloopers. Snakes. Will you be having the best of bloopers at the end of the year, Nancy? No, we're not. We don't, we don't, not doing bloopers. Do we really have bloopers? There's no bloopers. Thank you, Dale. Well, it appears that the uh, the caller was calling before. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, the caller will call we back, were, or we'll get our team, our IT things. team, to call him back. We can continue on in our uh, coverage of the top stories of the day. And then when we get these issues resolved, uh, we will have our uh, snake handler, Brandon, back on the line. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, let's be grateful to the turkey that we're eating and opt out of supporting a system of abuse and environmental destruction. Eat a pasture-raised turkey, or make a vegetarian alternative for this year's Thanksgiving feast. So, moving right along. Moving right along, we're going to start this other story, and we Hello, will... this is Nancy from LA Animal News Magazine. Is there somebody on the line here? We're going to we're work having our, some technical problems. We're going to work our technical difficulties out, yeah, and we, we will break to, in to my continued coverage of the stories uh, once we get the call hooked up, okay? Horse racing in the U.S. is on the decline. And we're here in Los Angeles. We hear about the, uh, the, the horses dying in Santa Anita at such an alarming, uh, numerous rate here. Terrible. How many have died, Nancy, in Santa Anita? Who knows? Dozens, Tons dozens of them. Decline in the number of tracks, total attendance, number of horses bred in racing, owners, purses paid to those owners, wages placed by the betters, and the number of people employed by the horse racing industry. Are we hooked up? I'm sorry. I'm Hello. Sorry. Hello. Is this Brandon? This is Brandon. Hi, Brandon. This is Nancy. I'm here with my co-host, William Mayoff, and Animal News Magazine. We're finally talking to each other. We're having some problems. I blame Dale for all our problems, our producer, Dale. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's always a scapegoat, and it's usually the guy above us. He's going to let me have it after it's the show. It's all my fault. <laughs> no, welcome, Brandon. You can blame me. Brandon, welcome to the show. We're sorry for any technical difficulties there. Thank you for taking oh, the no time. Oh, no problem. Um, so, Brandon, before we get started on snakes, which I find a very fascinating uh, animal, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but you'll correct me Serpent. once we get talking. Uh, can you please just uh, let us know who you are, what you do, and uh, what you do with snakes? Uh, certainly. Um, my name is Brandon Rochelle. Um, I am a, a biologist by profession. Um, uh, because I work uh, in a government office, I can't talk about which office or anything like that, um, and I can't 
you know, say, hey, this is this is my office. Um, we'll, we'll respect <laughs> that's fine. We respect that. that. We respect know. that. There's no problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I have um, I've been working in wildlife uh, for um, a little over uh, 15 years um, as a biologist, and I've been an addict of uh, reptiles and uh, all things reptilian since I was a kid. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, um, I've done outreach, uh, educational outreach for roughly 20 plus years and, um, just. What is uh, it that makes it fast? What is it about snakes that make them so fascinating? Well, there's a couple of things, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I think the first thing is that they're. They're so biologically distant from us. When we look at them, we think everything is like ourselves from a, you know, from a, a, a biological standpoint. Anything that's different becomes, you know, exotic and dangerous and and uh, and, and scary in so many ways. Um, and they're very, very distant from us. No arms, no legs. Right. You know, how do these things move? Uh, what are they doing? And they they spent much of their lives hiding um or in in places where we don't see them and sounds because like there is a component that says they <laughs> sorry brandon I, I took a stab at you when i said sounds like me i'm kidding around oh <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a del- and, and in fact i was going to say there's so there's a, a a bit of a a delay that right. makes it difficult for me to hear both of you that's when you're fine. you know um that's fine you're doing well you're doing big, well go ahead you're doing well you're doing well continue Okay. Yeah, so they, uh, there's a big, they, they even hide. bigger delay with the uh, uh, with the sound coming off of the network, and so what I was I was trying to listen to you while I was trying to call in. I'm like, wait a second, oh, right. I got th- they're answering and then they're talking, and then, so I just wound up just disconnecting that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, this, yeah. I think that's that's one of the biggest things that makes um, snakes in particular. So so fascinating, so scary, so intriguing, so interesting um, is they're they're so separate from us, so distant, and yet we come into interaction with them because they're part of the world we live in. Right. So let me ask you a question, okay? Without violating any government secrets or anything like that, we obviously don't want to do anything like that. But can you tell us somehow generically the nature of your work? What do you do? Do you do, do, you, do, you, do you, I don't know, check the health of snakes? Do you do anything about breeding snakes? Do, you, do they, uh, do anything environmentally? I mean, what is your function uh, with snakes? Can you tell us? Well, so it might so, not be so, with snakes. I mean, he works with No, no, it's times. not. Um, currently, I, I work in an office that, that is involved with environmental oversight um, and, and dealing with... Uh, Environmental compliance. Oh, environmental, okay, that's good. That's noble, very noble. So tell us a little bit about um, snakes. Can they hear? Can they smell? What about their senses? Um, Yes, Uh, they can hear. Um, There isn't an open ear kind of hearing, and the mechanisms that we use that, that, uh, that... transfer those vibrational, uh, you know, vibrations into where it's something that we can understand as sound, don't work quite the same. Um, but yes, they can hear its vibrational energy, and so they can pick that up as well. Um, they can smell, they can taste, wow. um, and they can taste smell or smell taste. I don't know. Wow. You, you can call yeah. it mate. I don't know. Um, uh, right. In... That they're, they have something called the vomeronasal gland, um, and that is uh, the ability to take particles out of the air on using their tongue wow. and put them up into the Jacobson's organ, and it's two little holes up in the roof of the mouth, in essence, and then analyze them. Um, in fact, one of the reasons why, uh, you know, at, biologically, why they have that split tongue is so that they can differentiate direction. Um, but they pick up those particles just as we do when we smell um, or taste and 
put it into that into that Jacobson's organ and then analyze that and detect where that's coming from. And it's it's remarkably accurate and remarkably um, ephemeral from to be able to explain this because it is they they have nostrils they're able to smell, wow. um, but they have this extra kind of fusion of smelling and taste. What do they eat? Well, that, that really depends um, on the, the species. In uh, the, the best generalization is that they are carnivores. Um, mm. And th- th- there isn't a vegetarian snake out there. There are vegetarian reptiles. There are omnivore reptiles. But as far as snakes go, there isn't a vegetarian snake. They're all carnivores of some form. So they eat like um, all the little bugs that they find around? Or bigger creatures. Uh, or exactly, uh, it really depends on what they're what they've adapted to to consume. The, the, we have we have things as large as reticulated pythons and anacondas that can take, um, you know, gharial and and uh, crocodiles and right, deer. right. Brandon, we um, heard of them bringing those illicit pythons or whatever they're called, dumping them in the Everglades of Florida, and and they've actually had some of the whatever snake it is, forgive my reference, I don't know as much as you know, but they've actually had some of those snakes jeopardize some of the alligators there or eat them or consume them, true? Yes. Um, One of the offices that he worked at was one of the first to go in and start looking at uh, some of these interactions. Um, And it's really interesting to to see, generally speaking, generally speaking, um, actually, the pythons lose out to to our American alligators. Um, okay. wow. but, I kind of like that. No offense, I'm not into seeing animals fight each other necessarily. Oh no, 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 no. I'm I'm talking biologically. Sure, um, thank you. I wouldn't want to see the alligator population because apparently that's a foreign species that's been introduced into Florida. True. The pythons. Yes. 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 Uh, the biggest concern is the Burmese python. There um, they can get. Uh, you know, in excess of twenty some feet, wow. uh, four five hundred pounds. Oh, oh my! Uh, if in a in an in a biologically ideal scenario, i.e., I, like in captivity, um, where they have ready access to food and that kind of thing. But I, I, well, um, I, well, I don't want to deviate too much. But now you're concerning mm-hmm. me. This was not the main focus of your interview. But the alligators can do pretty well as far as competing with these Burmese pythons. The alligators are our own Hulk Hogan's, can they handle themselves? In general, um, the interactions that I've I've seen recorded, uh, they, they really do just fine. Thank yeah. you, sir. Uh, there are the occasion, it's it's a biological world, so you're going to have the larger consuming the smaller. Um, That's right. But so, general, yeah, they do hold their own fairly well. Okay, so Brian, let me ask you, you're, you're, you are a unique guest. Because you don't have too many people coming on, at least on this show, about snakes. You know, the public scorns them. They're gross. They're deadly. Stay away from them. Southern California area, you got your rattlesnakes. So why don't you give us a cutesy Thanksgiving Christmas Day uh, a little uh, vignette or something as to if they are necessary for the environment, what good they do. I, I take it. I, right. I mean, do, are do they, they good do for anything the eco- good for do they contribute to the, Do we need them for, I mean, how do they contribute to the ecosystem? Right. The way? useful function they have, snakes? Talk to us. Absolutely. Um, so snakes in, particularly in North America, they're what we call a mesopredator. They're, they're the middle guy. They hmm. eat the smaller things, particularly the species that we generally consider pests, um, mice, rats, yeah, it, Insects, bugs, things like that. Beautiful. Um, and as a mesopredator, as a mesopredator or middle predator, they also become food mm. um, for larger animals. Um, so they they kind of cover that middle ground of both uh, cleanup, population control, as well as as food. Um, this man is fascinating, and, Nancy. You hear it? Yes, he is. Good guess. This um, is great. But but you see, they're portrayed, Brandon. Oh, they're yes. portrayed as oh horrible, ugly. You know. I think they're beautiful, uh, Brandon. Let me but share. They are amazingly gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Let me share a very quick story with you. Jack Hanna, you know, an animal rights lover, and you've you heard of Jack Hanna and all this. He had a sh- mm-hmm. he, he had a show a couple weekends ago where he was in South uh, Africa and at a preserve and all that. Uh, a- anyways, 
and they had a snake, and there was a handler like uh, Steve, whatever his name is, from Australia. Anyway, and, and, the, and the handler said, your best defense, because this is adventurous for a guy like me and so, some of those adventurous guys and gals uh, in the audience or listening audience, he was saying that one of the best defenses you can have or do when you interact with a snake, I guess, you, you know, uh, rattlesnakes, whatever, is to be perfectly still. And then the, mm-hmm. and they won't bite you. They won't, you know, put the venom in you. And, the, and, and so this guy was, and he doesn't recommend it, don't try this at home, but he was mm-hmm. remaining perfectly still. It's a Jack Hanna thing, and the guest was doing this, and it was in the middle of nowhere there in South Africa. And, and you see this deadly snake, venom causes, in this particular breed, uh, and it was just crawling on the guy's boots and his pants. He remained perfectly still, and then the snake went went somewhere else and minded its own business. You have any comments about that? Absolutely. That is that's that snakes. Um, the um, Aldo Leopold, very well regarded uh, naturalist in our American history, um, once said that snakes are first cowards, second liars. Uh-huh. And, third, <laughs> uh, and third cowards. Wow. Okay, they're first uh, a, a coward, uh, or not, sorry, third warriors. First a coward because the first thing they want to do is get away. We, uh, as a, a large potential predator, we're a threat, and it doesn't matter what species, even the, the giant pythons and boats, we represent a threat to them. Wow. Um, and so they, they want to, to avoid us, to get away from us, to be left alone. In general, they're solitary animals. Wow. They they uh, don't form colonial societies mm. in general, and so mm. the concept of being around other animals, everything is either going to eat them or is food. Um, and we definitely don't rep- represent food for any species out there, mm-hmm. um, and particularly with your venomous. We're their venom is uh, it's it's special spit. Um, I, I do a lot of outreach with with children and what a reference! And I appreciate it's the an reference. adapted salivary gland. It's special wow. spit, and wow. its wow. entire purpose is to digest their food. They don't want to waste it. Mm. It takes upwards of six to eight weeks to regenerate that. Um, Brandon, you are fascinating, man. I'm like glued to this microphone and headset. <laughs> you are. I'm serious. <laughs> it's amazing oh, information. See, now I'm blushing. I love it. <laughs> well, I see it through the phone, and then so I'll do they the need microphone. their venom to digest. Wow. Okay. Yes. Wow. They don't want to bite us. They don't want to envenomate us. In fact, in North America, um, roughly half of all bites from venomous species don't, they don't inject venom. They actually don't have to envenomate. Um, it's something they want to hold back. It's a mm. warning bite. And even within that, this is a fun, <laughs> fun statistic, especially for our friends in the Southeast. Um, I was talking to one of their... Uh, uh, first responders for venomous bites, and and he said, eighty percent of bites that come through here are from the, are from the animal being harassed, and you can actually take the statistics and you say sixty percent of of all bites in the southeast represent first a male, second between the ages of eighteen and thirty, third under the influence, and wow. fourth between the hand and the elbow. The evidence is there. Wow, look at right, the profile. Right, right, interesting. Very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. One last question uh, before we let you go. Um, there are people who actually adopt or buy snakes as a pet. Are they like social? I mean, you just said that they're kind the of people solid. are the snakes. People will Thank adopt. You. You. <laughs> that was a joke. No, you most of us who keep snakes are antisocial. Yeah, no, um, antisocial. <laughs> I guess I should get a snake then. <laughs> so, uh, so the the snakes themselves um, interact with their environment. Just they they have they have an advanced brain. Not it's a reptilian brain. But it, we're not talking about shellfish here. They're, they're absolutely, uh, their nervous system, their brain is adapted so that they can interact with their environment. So do they interact with us? Yes. Um, are we, do they, do they have that part of the brain that we usually associate with emotion and with bonding and, and right. social connection? No. Okay. Uh, that's, so, but we, the, the keepers wind up getting that reciprocal, um, emotional more from the interaction 
than because the you know as a dog wagging his tail or a cat right. running up against you it's 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 not the same uh, uh, herd or or pack mentality um, that being said they're they're individuals and we have absolutely i you know I have one individual that um we call her the witch of the house because she's not a very friendly um snake and she uh had a very rough upbringing and part of it that's one of the reasons why i get to keep her because oh. she's she's suffered some some hard times if you will you're the best we don't associate snakes with pets Listen, we're running out of time. Very quick, very quick. So, so if we go from LA to Vegas, we we step out of the car and want to go pee in the the desert or something, and a, a rattlesnake comes up near us. Excuse the graphics. Uh, what what's your best recommendation? Just stay still, or what? Or besides having a heart attack, what's your recommendation? <laughs> Don't have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> okay. In fact, that'll that'll just get your blood pumping even more and, and, and make you a more juicy target, if you will. Uh, no, not target. Sorry, wrong terminology. Somebody's going to get triggered. Um, but it, the, the best thing is absolutely to hold still. In fact, that's the best thing is for any wildlife. Um, hold still, and generally other wildlife, they'll, they'll find their own place with snakes in particular. They will move off um, to, to their own place. There's no reason for them to pursue you if they if they keep going toward you, it's because you're in the way of where they wanted to be. If you oh, hold still, you, so you will not get bit. You will not be injured. Thank you. You're the best. Brandon, Please come back so sincerely. We want you again. You're fascinating. This is not often covered. This. Okay, very Brandon, please come back. Thank you very much yep. for your time. And uh, I know that uh, we had uh, some, some communication problems recently, but we I'm really apologize. happy we worked it all out. Thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Okay. Have a wonderful day. You Ciao. too. Thanks, Brandon. Bye-bye. Amazing, amazing well, great information. Guest. we got to have him back. He's a great guest. Anyway, thank you, people, for your time. Thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, we've gone over again. Uh, but, Remember, uh, the earth is round. The, the yeah. earth is round because <laughs> we're flat. The cats will push the people, everything off. Thank you all. Thanks. Take and, care. Until next, actually, next week we're going to have uh, Danny Cervantes. He's a vegan keto expert so he's gonna tell us how to do vegan keto in the new year to lose all that tofurkey fat which stay by the way tuned. is not fattening stay okay, tuned bye, stay everyone. tuned thank you Ciao. everybody Ciao. you're listening to animal news magazine with nancy defabio only on la talk radio